welcome everyone to the return of season six of Downton Abbey and the return of Downton Gabby. We're back with you, ready to talk about the season premiere, and we're so excited to be here. We have our drinking companions, and we are ready to go. Uh, I'm Teresa in Brooklyn. I'm Brandy in Los Angeles. I'm Shannon in Oakland, and I have whiskey in my drinking companion. I got some uh, $5 Pinot Grigio from the Food for Less, because I'm classy like that. <laughs> and uh, I've got some tea in honor of all of our English friends. Okay, so we're back at Downton, and we've got a hunting scene to set the mood, and Mary is on horseback. Not riding side saddle. That This was just a perfect opening. Like, all the elements combined. Like, we're diving right into Robert fretting about a change. <laughs> we're seeing Mary being sort of badass but prickly about it. And they're hunting. I mean, I was just like, game on, Julian. I love it. So Mary's got a giant horse between her legs, setting the mm-hmm. scene for this latest round of attempted slut-shaming. And uh, we've got uh, this season's evil lower class maid lady ready to go. (laughs) What is his deal with evil maids? Like, did he have some weird experience as a child or something? Staying in a hotel and there was a mean maid and (laughs) he's really got to work this out in his psyche? It's really bizarre. She's really annoying and so... She's here to blackmail Mary for her Liverpool dirty week with Lord Gillingham. Which, like, hasn't it been a while since then, right? Because, like, Gillingham's already, like, married to someone else and stuff. Yeah. She really took her time getting to Downton. Um, She should have taken that straight to Maybelline Fox the next day. (laughs) That's true. Come on. But we, we know that she's not a very good blackmailer. Clearly. Oh, awful. But she she does get right up into Mary's room, and that really makes me worry about security at Downton, that she can get into Mary's room so easily and eat her toast. Yeah. That's <laughs> a big issue. Eat her toast. If Mrs. Hughes hadn't been so distracted, which we will get to, that uh, definitely never would have happened. That was a big fail on her part. By the way, this is sort of funny. Mary's having her breakfast in bed like a proper married or once married lady. Um, Instead of reading the lady, she is actually reading something that looks like farmer stock breeder. (laughs) 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 Which is probably my favorite detail of the entire episode. You know, if Mary wasn't so good looking, she could definitely be one of those like, you know, women who are really into breeding a specific kind of dog and they're like dog handlers at a at the dog shows. She could get super into that and like the power of it and stuff. I could see her into that. Like running those dogs around the rink? Yeah, and just being like, I've got the dominant strain of this breed or something. Mary seemed pretty like cool to the blackmailer whose name I don't even remember anymore and she was all Doesn't like, matter. Kind of, Doesn't matter. Like, She's never like, coming back. Like, bitch, please. I've been blackmailed before. Who do you think you're dealing with? But she doesn't really do anything about it. And then, like, her dad has to bail her out. But then she gets praised for him bailing her out, and then that somehow proves that she can run an estate. And I, I, you know, I don't often follow Lord Grantham's logic. That's always a little tough (laughs) for me. But this one was especially confusing. I think the idea was because she didn't give in to the blackmailer, But I was just like, this is like 
the least bold thing that Mary's ever done. Like, like that's what it took to put you over the, over the moon and decide that she could really do this. I mean, it's Mary. It's not like she's going to fall apart and sob and be like, what am I going to do the first time somebody crosses her? It it was just strange. I think Lord Grantham just got confused because this was like the first successful business deal he's ever done in his life. So (laughs) he just wasn't thinking straight. He's high on the power of it. And he's just like, of course, you'll do great. It's the first time since he had to, like, write a check to the other dancing Charlie or whatever in the next season. The <laughs> Charlie that was blackmailing Carson. Oh. This is the only time he gets to do anything good is when literally all it takes is 50 pounds. Just pulls out the checkbook, takes care of it. But here's the oh, thing that's man. really weird because I don't know if you guys watched the season five finale that they were airing before the season six premiere, but I, you know, binge watched that totally fast forward through everything with Bates and Anna. Side note. Mm-hmm. But what's really interesting is Lord Grantham is super chill about his daughter's boning down outside of marriage. Doesn't care about <laughs> Edith and her secret love baby. And now doesn't care about Mary saying she's going on a sketching trip with her friend to bone down with some guy and then not even marry him. I mean, he's, you know, I know we had a working theory last season that he had like a brain tumor or had had a stroke mm. or something yeah. and it was affecting his behavior and judgment. And I, I feel like that theory is still alive for me. I don't know. Maybe he's like secretly a hippie at heart or something. I don't know. He's a little too much into this free love than I would expect. Well, also, and we're going to talk about Daisy later, but they seem pretty chill about Daisy, like, losing her shit with the lord of the neighboring manor as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the things that they are cool with always are sort of historically inconsistent, so (laughs) we'll just go with this one, too, I guess. Maybe he just doesn't want to seem as uncool as Rose's mom and is just trying to... Be hip to the jive this season. Well, also, his daughters are, like, what, 45 at this point? So. Yeah. <laughs> How old Yeah, are I mean, in the timeline of the show, I'm pretty sure Mary's supposed to be 35. I want to say she was 22 when it started in 1912, and now it's 1925. So that makes Edith, like, 33. And, right. you know, Sybil would have been, like, 30, I guess. Yeah. So... I mean, they're all definitely old enough to be living their own lives. I think the real shocker of the episode was that Mrs. Patmore is still a virgin. Why did they call her Mrs. Patmore then? That's tradition. They explain this, that like all maids and cooks are Mrs. no matter what. This was uh, like a side detail the first time that um, Mrs. Hughes contemplated a late in life marriage when her beau showed up Mm -hmm. a couple seasons ago. And you know, now, looking back on that, she didn't go with him because she wanted Carson. Mm, Interesting. I I think it's been a little bit, he's more into her than she's into him, but... (laughs) You know what, though? I've just been binge-watching the entire five seasons, uh, because here in New York, they they, uh, did a big marathon, and... I've been watching from the very beginning, which is taking like forever. I'm just at the beginning of season four now, I think. But anyway, um, I've been watching a lot of these storylines as they, they've developed over the years. And the Carson Hughes relationship from the very beginning has this real warmth to it. 
Mm. Um, and you know, you don't really notice it when you don't know how it's going to end, but, but going back, I do actually, I'm going to give Julian a little credit here. I think he was sort of planning this from the very beginning because they have these lovely moments together. It really makes sense that this would build to this point. I, it doesn't come out of nowhere. So let's talk about this. Yeah. Then, because obviously the most hilarious oh moments of the episode, poor Mrs. Patmore being like the ultimate good friend. I mean, she and Mrs. Hughes have seen each other through a lot over the course of the season. Their friendship is really like one of my favorite things on the show. But I cannot imagine sending my best friend to have this conversation <laughs> for me. I mean, this is like friendship Olympics right here. Yeah. I feel like I definitely took a moment to be like, would I do this for a friend? And I was like, yeah, I'd do it. I I would be Mrs. Patmore. I mean, it'd be tough, but I do it. And I was like, that's the kind of friend I am. Mrs. Patmore is so unworldly. I think Leslie Nickel deserves her own Emmy nomination just for this episode alone. Oh my god. It was so brilliant. 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 And when she sucked down that port, it was like... <laughs> I mean, just watching their facial... I mean, I have to give Jim Carter credit too, but just watching their facial expressions and their little bits of body language. I mean, these two are such pros. I could rewatch those scenes over and over again. And, you know, I, I mentioned in our last podcast that I saw this premiere live with a huge audience. And the audience was laughing so hard through these scenes. Um, it was really great to, to listen to everybody. That must have been like so that. fun. It was hilarious. And when I watched it all by myself in my living room on Sunday night, I was remembering how the audience was just losing it through that whole That's whole so thing. awesome. Yeah, they were brilliant. I mean, there couldn't have been anything better, and I was totally laughing out loud. And <laughs> what's going to be our euphemism for boning down oh, now? Share a life together? Sharing your way of life. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, no, like, it doesn't even really make sense. It's just, it's just fantastic. But I do understand, okay, if you're her age and you've never boned down... And maybe a man's never seen you naked. Oh, God, I'm not a virgin now, and I'm still, I'm like, if there was a way to bone down without them having to see you naked, that would really be a lot easier. Well, I love when Mrs. Patmore says, can't you turn (laughs) off the light? I I mean, it does does ease the anxiety of the first time, right? A little mood lighting. A little mood lighting goes a long way (laughs) for all of us. Carson's not looking that great either. He's had quite a lot of the wine over the years, and this is—I mean—that's the main thing. Just throw back a shot of port and just get the first time over with. It's gonna be awkward, and this is me. I mean, I was like not even on board with this storyline, but now I'm like, all right, you know, they do deserve a little late in life love, and come on. Now, Shannon, were you asking me about 1920s lube uh, information? Oh, that was my tweet. Oh, oh, I was thinking like. At this point, obviously, they're not going to have to worry about contraceptives, right? Right. But there are other things that can ease the process. Absolutely. And I was just wondering, you know, they don't exactly have astroglides, so, like, what's going to... Yeah, good point. What are the options? It just made me a little curious. I don't know what the options are, um, actually, from from that era, but definitely 
Mrs. Hughes being postmenopausal, I'm assuming mm-hmm. that lube will really come in handy, I think. Right. Um, and that's a tip for all of you older ladies. She's going to ask Mrs. Patmore to whip her in the kitchen. <laughs> well, that's what I was thinking. She could do a very, you know, organic method. Maybe some almond Ugh. oil or... It's a recipe for a yeast infection. Butter? I thought butter, too. And then I was like, no, God, no. Butter doesn't sound like it's going to be very... Olive oil? <laughs> well, that's why I thought almond, almond oil might be nice. Oh, almond oil would be nice. Yeah. It smells better than olive oil. <laughs> Sensual oils of some kind. You, you smell like a... Like an appetizer at Olive Garden. The best would be if if in the next episode, Mrs. Patmore has to go for Mrs. Hughes and ask Thomas what people use for lube these days. Yeah, now that's not a bad person to ask. But I was a little surprised that it's like, okay, even if she's never had sex, she's obviously had to, had to masturbate or had sexual thoughts. I mean, it was kind of hard for me to believe that she would just not want to have sex at all. Like, there's still that, like, physical desire that I think she would still have. I think she was just really nervous about it. I I didn't get that she didn't want to have sex. I think she was just kind of terrified that she yeah. wouldn't, you know, measure up in some way. Which, like we were just saying, like, we all feel like that. Sure. Um, the, like, first time with anybody, you're going to be really nervous about, Yeah. you know that kind of stuff. I don't, I don't blame her at all. And the fact that, you know, she's an older woman and I I thought it was interesting though, that she said that he hasn't been seen without his clothes for a long time. And I'm thinking, Hmm, when was he seen without his clothes? Do we think he's had a a pass? Well, I think we can assume in most of these stories of days in the past that men have had sex and women haven't. Oh, it's magical how that works, isn't it? Especially playing the music hall circuit as the cheerful Charlies, right? Oh, women were probably throwing themselves in them. Are you kidding? (laughs) (laughs) All those music hall groupies. So after all that hilarity, I have to say that I was completely teary-eyed at Carson's speech about how he really felt about Elsie Hughes. Um, It was was adorable. It was really sweet. I mean, the whole... You know, I love her. I'm happy and tickled and bursting with pride that she should be my wife. And in my eyes, she's beautiful. It was really actually incredibly sweet. And what does it take for Carson to open up like that, you know, to anybody? It was so sweet that I expect him to die in a car accident in episode two. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's like Matthew's speech about, you know, the new baby and then. Boom. Oh yeah! Bam, just dead. toss your head back. Just one moment of pure joy, and it all goes to hell. That's right. Watch out, Carson. Just stay away from the kitchen appliances. I know. I want Mrs. Patmore to bone down with that police officer she was dancing with after the, you know the toast at British Justice. Yeah, they were telegraphing <laughs> something there. I thought, but I mean, you know, we've been gunning for some type of double wedding. For this <laughs> oh my god! Serious. It would be great. <laughs> This is Pat Moore and Sergeant Willis forever. <laughs> well, it's better than that, like, meat guy that wanted to marry her a couple times. Oh, yeah, ago, that right? was the worst. That I forgot about the, the meat guy. Worst. Right. So, speaking of tragedy downstairs, we didn't go, like, what, ten minutes without seeing Anna in tears. Oh, my God, I can't. Oh, my God. Like, the first moment 
like that was it like just she's crying from the first moment we see her she's ashamed of some problem that relates to her being a woman because she's constantly having to apologize to Bates for being a woman and this time it's her disappointing uterus yeah, and I was unclear because she was like, I thought I might be pregnant, but it turns out I'm not. Like, does that mean she got a late period or, like, she had a miscarriage? Because I was just thinking, you know, Bates was married before with no kids. Like, right. this guy might be shooting blanks. Right. And then it's all going to fall on Anna because there's, like, of course, n- no discourse around that for, or no t- no testing. Like, it's just going to be, I don't know, maybe she'll go and get her you know, cervix popped open or whatever Mary did yeah. with that <laughs> weird doctor a couple seasons ago. But it, I mean, it, it just, to me, it seemed obvious that like Bates never had a kid before. Why would this be easy the second time around? Also, he would be a terrible father and he doesn't even seem excited. So it's all very, what the, what's the point? That's the weirdest part, that she's all weepy about how she knows how unhappy he is and that he doesn't have kids. And I'm thinking, I don't think Bates is that upset, and I don't think he cares that much, frankly. And this is just one... This guy is just thrilled not to be in prison, (laughs) right? Exactly. Exactly. He's thrilled that he didn't get hanged three seasons ago. So, once again, it's like this writing that sets up all of this guilt for Anna where everything is about Bates and how Bates is going to react. And yeah. And, and Bates oh my clearly God. is not as invested in this as she is. And if they're going to have these conversations, can they at least like once have it like under a willow tree by a brook or something instead of in the fucking boot cleaning room? <laughs> I can't. Well, maybe it's like I a Pavlovian dog. Room. She gets in the boot room and she's like, I have something to tell you, you know? I swear, like, how many scenes have they shot in this room now? I, oh my god. Yeah. I guess ladies' maids and valets spend a lot of time in the boot cleaning room. Yeah. I'm sure they did, but, like, they also have their cute little cottage. Like, any anything that actually makes it seem like a more appropriate emotional moment for the actual conversations that they just have, like, all the time and when anybody could walk in. I don't know. I just feel like that would be better. Maybe they tore down the cottage to build Yew Tree Farm. Maybe they only have so much room in their sets and, and the cottage had to go. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, um, I, the other, Of course, the other thing with uh, Anna is uh, the appearance not once but twice of Sergeant Willis. The first time to tell them absolutely nothing. And then the second time to tell them that some random woman pushed green into traffic right well i mean his random appearances do support the notion that he has a crush on missy (laughs) okay well i like that yeah i like um but yeah or just that he's a really inept police officer there's that too um yeah this was such a sloppy cleanup to this storyline i mean i'm glad it's ostensibly over i don't really trust that it's really (laughs) over like i expect her to have like the ghost of Mr. Green in episode two. But, <laughs> like, you're um, glad it's over. We're glad it's over. The entire Crawley family is glad that it's over. Yeah, but there is no reason that this couldn't have been over at the end of last season. Like, what an ineffective and weird cliffhanger. And, you know, anytime a, your storyline's going to get wrapped up with just, like, 
exposition about something that happened off screen, you really, like, didn't stick the landing. Sorry. Well, and the solution also blames a woman. And it was another female victim of Mr. Green's rapes. And I thought that was really shitty. He hasn't handled anything of the storyline well, in my opinion. At least the idea of a woman pushing Mr. Green to his demise is better than, like, a husband of a woman who was sullied pushing Mr. Green to his demise, I guess. That's, like, the best thing I can say about it. Yeah, but now this woman who's gone through this horrible ordeal now has to go to prison? I I don't know. I just, like, it was really hard to get into the champagne drinking. It was like, this is really shitty for this poor woman. Whose life's been ruined twice now. I'm actually glad that it was a woman who did it. And I'm also really glad there is a really, um, I think, very good line that Anna says, which is another person's life has been ruined by Mr. Green. Yes. And I really liked it being framed that way, that his the damage he is doing to women continues after his death. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I like that, too. Yeah, I thought that was really strong. And, so I liked uh, one line in the entire storyline. for the last like season and a half yeah i'm just so done with these characters i mean even just watching the season five finale i just can't even handle it when they're on screen because they're so dour and you know she used to be such a fun character i mean she helped carry pamuk's body it's really striking how much more I enjoy watching her scenes talking to Mary than her scenes talking to anyone downstairs. Yeah. Oh, her scenes, you know? her scenes with Mary, Mary just like basically giving her a look and her giving uh, the evil maid the bums rush out of Downton was mm-hmm. fantastic. Yeah, I feel like Mary understands her better than Bates does, I swear. Well, did you guys catch her stroking Mary's hair as she was brushing? Oh my god. I was like, Julian has been reading my fanfic. <laughs> like, there was like several things in this episode where I was like, Julian has listened to the podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. He's trolling me all over this episode with the hair stroking and the Edith talking to Rosamond about, like, and Rosamond being like, well, I never had children. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm starting to think, Julian, are, you might be out there. You might be one of our Twitter followers just incognito. Totally. Well, I love that one of our Twitter followers, Peppa Kim, was like, I bet he's just sitting there in his silky robe and his sparkly headband with a glass of wine just trolling our tweets during the the premiere (laughs) listen you know that julian kept one of those robes from the set oh my god i would anyone would (laughs) anyone with a soul would keep one of those silky robes so oh they were amazing i mean you were totally on point when you're like this is rivaling the sparkly headbands the silky no, robes. And it came out of nowhere. I was just like, have they always worn these fabulous robes? Like, I feel like it was really a stepped up part of the wardrobe in this episode. And it wasn't just like in their bedrooms. Like also, the, I guess the general fashion of the day has become where they have like, rather than a sweater, sort of a silky robish garment over their dress. And I was like, it's a little bit Golden Girls, but a little bit incredible. Like, I'm so down for it. <laughs> I'm into it. It's really making my yoga pants and sweatshirt and mom vest really take it to shame. <laughs> I gotta step up my game. I think it could dress up any outfit, frankly. It could. What was the tweet, <laughs> Brandy? You tweeted something about a sparkly headband looking like 
um, Star Trek eyewear. Oh, this was also because Kim had <laughs> tweeted at me that the sparkly headbands reminded her of Jordy's visor. And I responded with a photo of Kim Cattrall <laughs> in her headband as a Vulcan in um, Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country because that's the kind of nerd that I am. Oh, we just so, watched that too. We had like this whole extra dialogue going on that was really uh, a lot of fun. So. I, I thought that was that was just great, and and the fella and I had just watched uh, Undiscovered Country not too long ago, um, so I totally remembered that whole look. Um, Cup of Kin, thanks so much for <laughs> making our tweets even better. All right, well, we haven't talked about Edith yet, and we are Team Edith, and it was pretty exciting, her maybe going to do this London lifestyle. Oh, yeah. First of all, I really hope we get to see her fire someone, because... <laughs> yeah, just to, to quote what she said... I'm not taking a sort of tone. I'm simply reminding you of the deadline, which gave me no end of flashbacks in working with certain gentlemen in my own career. Yeah, tone policing, right? Mm -hmm. For all of history, women have dealt with this. Yep, and nothing is going to change, Edith. Nothing is going to change. Oh my god, no, nothing's going to change. You're always going to be treated like that. Um... I just um, bought a new car this weekend, and I was called Sweetie upwards of 30 times while I was at the dealership. So I'm 32 years old, <laughs> and this shit still happens on a regular basis to grown-ass women all the time. But I would love to see her fire someone, and I'm really bummed we didn't get to see that party she went to with Virginia Woolf. Oh my god. This, you know, I mean, that was just completely taunting me that she had to like actually say that Virginia Woolf and Lytton Strachey were actually in that apartment and they had a party and they never showed it because this is something I've been complaining about since she first met Michael Gregson. Mm -hmm. um, and instead we get the Prince of Wales. Boring. I, I still like the Prince of Wales. <laughs> I, wanted, I really wanted to see the Bloomsbury group hanging out. But yeah, it is, it's very strange, the aversion to showing, like, actual uh, historical characters, right? Because that's kind of part of the fun part of doing a period piece, and Julian's just, like, not into it. Right. Well, I'm glad that I just so called it, so I feel really vindicated. Oh, you've and you've been calling it. This is what I'm saying about Julian <laughs> listening to our podcast. That's right. Another way that he is trolling us by throwing it back in my face that it happened, but it happened <laughs> off screen. But really, that Rosamond scene was like, oh my god. I know there was a Coraline last season that was something about like carrying Edith or like giving birth to her or whatever. But I really still feel like there's room for this twist that we've been gunning for. Yeah. Where Rosamond is Edith's real mother. It makes so much thematic sense. It really, really does. I really want this dream to be a reality. We have one more season for it to happen. Wait, so is Edith the Jon Snow of Downton? <laughs> She's definitely the Jon Snow of Downton. <laughs> for okay. sure. Brooding in her cold robes just like he does and she's you know secretly the child of someone else being raised yes by this family who doesn't totally love her can we just talk a little bit about the production design of her london apartment which looks mm. nothing like downton um white walls simple furniture modern art on the walls yeah that was shocking the modern art 
it was great. It, it, it's just such an awesome apartment and all that light. <laughs> it's really great. Yeah, really? I really hope we're going to like finally see her blossom this season. I think even like there were little tweaks in her outfit when she's in London. It's just like a little more modern. Like I just, I feel like the potential is there for her to finally break through and as, as happy as I am that everything worked out for her with the marigold stuff, like, I really don't want that to be the defining thing that is the end of her journey across all these seasons. Like, right. I really want it to be her having, like, I want Edith to have it all, goddammit. <laughs> That's right. I think she should have it all. And I think, I really want this season to be about her being an editor. That would make me so happy. Definitely. I know, but I also was wondering where that one cute guy was. I saw him show up in the preview for this season, so. Okay, I didn't watch the preview, so okay. That's oh, good. Okay, good. So he was the estate manager at the place that the Cindabees rented in the Christmas special in last season. Right, right. he kind of like just shows up and he's attached to the estate. He's not like a friend of a friend. He's, a, he's the agent. Right, right. Bertie, Bertie Pelham. But he's very cute. Which is perfect. He is cute. He's, uh, he's perfect. Hmm? I mean, I there. You know, they never found Gregson's body. I'm always suspect of these things that happen off screen, and you know, maybe he'll burst in at the end. Actually, that would be great because you know I want it to go full soap opera, like telenovela mm. craziness. Like she's with the new guy, and then Gregson bursts in, and he's like, "No, I've been in a German prison for the last." Five years or however long it's with been. With amnesia, and I have bandages all over my face so you don't recognize <laughs> yes! me with this German accent. <laughs> okay, I'm going to write that fanfic if it doesn't happen. I love it. I no, love it. I, I think that, that, that guy is, is adorable, Bertie. She's always loved a working man. She has, yeah, mm-hmm. actually. Um, in rewatching the whole series, I had to like live through her affair with the guy who had the farm. The yeah, tractor love. Tractor, oh, tractor love. Yep, yep. Oh man, I love that part. Was that before or after Anthony Strellen? Well, in the middle. Like in the middle, yeah. Between. Oh, that was her like rebound. Kind of, okay. yeah. It was her rebound from <laughs> Strellen, and then Strellen shows up again later. And, you know, I'm watching Anthony Who Strelin. hasn't fucked a guy with a tractor when they were sad? <laughs> That's I... a poll for the audience, I guess. <laughs> Who hasn't shared their way of life with a guy yes. with a tractor? <laughs> you should name the podcast that. Uh, um, but, you know, it's funny watching her with Anthony Strallen. He's just... He's just awful. I mean, he's a lovely man, but again, you know, with my season five vantage point, um, watching the whole Strallen thing, he's he really is too old and boring for her. I, I hate know. to say that, yeah, you know, Brandon was right. Being so mad at him for leaving her at the altar, but ultimately it was like the right choice, right? She had so much more growth, so much more potential. Yep. Well, she was trying to be just like Mary at that point. Right. You know, it's like they got married right near each other, you know, and I think after that she was like, okay, well, what can I do that's different? And then that's when she really started living her own life. Yeah, and she wrote a letter to the editor and right. uh, everything took off from there. So. I mean, we can only hope that this new 
hospital crisis <laughs> conversation will end up. Oh my god! I don't even know what's happening. I just like was looking at Twitter and I was like, boring. The, the <laughs> hospital storyline was perfect because that's when I could go to the kitchen and get a snack. Yeah, it's just it's it's crazy because the hospital storylines used to like back in like season two. I actually liked them because it was like. Isabel has a skill that she's using, and they were right. actually, like, see patients, and the war was on, and blah, blah, blah. And now it's just basically an excuse for Dr. Clarkson to come on for two scenes and whine at her about how he's in the friend zone. And I just, like, can't deal with it. And she and Violet, obviously, anytime they're together, the quips are great. But I would much rather it be about something new Rather than just another fucking thing about the village hospital. I mean, there's got to be something else going on in the village that they can talk about. Well, they can go back to season one about the flower show. And Mr. Mason could use a flower show after this episode. Or they could talk about putting up another memorial somewhere on Grantham Land. Oh, God, you're right. It is is better than the memorial. Yeah. Oh, the memorial. God. Oh. I don't want to go back there. I mean, there's not much going on in this town, guys. <laughs> I do enjoy Dr. Clarkson having a hissy fit over his continued jealousy of Dickie Merton. <laughs> I just feel bad that seeing Dickie Merton. It's like, I just hate how that whole thing ended. And I just hate that he's supposed to be around her. It must be so hard for him. The fact that, you know, the way she reacted to Dr. Clarkson's sassy little comments i'm like i don't think we've seen the last of dickie merton i don't know but i mean you know whatever we can end with like a quadruple wedding where like the (laughs) russian prince comes back for the dowager and then it's isabel and dickie and then someone else is on the scene for dr clarkson and like we just like just everybody married by the end yeah Um, i'm okay with that Yep. You know, not to be super, like, heteronormative about it, whatever, but, like, these old people, I want them to have, I want to imagine them having, like, their last decades be just... Orgasms happy all the time. Yeah. Just, yeah, just, they're in there with the with, oil lube, and they're just having a great time. butter lubed up, just <laughs> orgasming left and right. I will say this for Julian. I do appreciate the number of romances that are happening between people over the age of 50. I think that's lovely. No, it's great. You know, we can make a lot of jokes about it very easily, but I sincerely think it's great that we are seeing, like, rich inner and sexual lives of older characters, for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's something Downton has always done really well, is is the sort of cross-generational stuff going on. And um, yep. and I, I'm definitely rooting for Dickie Merton. I'm I'm rooting for him to bring Isabel around. Well, he needs to grow a pair of balls and tell his sons to fuck off. Right. He doesn't even really like his kids. So just be happy. You know, like Isabel, like Matthew, if you all remember the whole thing with Lavinia's father's will, and mm-hmm. like <laughs> Matthew just thrashing around because he absolutely refuses to accept the money that will... Uh, save Downton because he feels like he hurt Lavinia's feelings and every possible reason for Lavinia's dad to give Mm -hmm. him money, he just rejects out of hand. The only way you remember this is because you just rewatched it. I just rewatched it. Because everyone has put this out of their mind. (laughs) No, I do do remember it. And actually, that's something we've maybe never given full credit to. um, Because I know it's, it's easy to criticize some of the poor choices on this show but as far like the character consistency has really been 
pretty good as far as the writing goes. And seeing how Isabel is so clearly Matthew's mother right. and Matthew is the product of Isabel, that's actually a, a really beautiful character thing that he built, that Julian built. That's true. Because they have the same things that they can't get over in life, which really is like what you end up getting from your parents for better or for worse, right? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I, I think it's really consistent. And Isabel is maddening, but she is consistently maddening, just like Matthew was mm -hmm. consistently maddening. It's the same thing I always praise about Grey's Anatomy, which also has had super plot missteps over its long career. But, like, if you... The characters on that show are maddeningly consistent. Like, they, they don't grow the way a character is supposed to magically grow. They have the same flaws for 10 years while you're watching them. The same way real people have the same flaws for 10 years. Yeah. And that's one of the things that Downton has. Like, Mary's not going to magically be nice by the end of this. Robert's not going to all of a sudden be, like, the person who knows how to be a perfect patriarch and wise and everyone comes to him. They're all very consistent. And people cite that as a flaw, like the show hasn't grown. But I like a show like that actually sometimes because it's more consistent with the way people are in real life. And some people have grown. Edith has grown. Daisy has grown. Mosley has grown. Mm -hmm. Frankly. Yes, yeah, so we need to talk about Daisy. Daisy. This might, this might be a time to transition to downstairs. Okay, so speaking of Daisy, uh, Daisy is continuing... <laughs> Daisy is continuing her Marxist revolutionary uh, <laughs> monarchy overthrowing behavior. I think she was compared to Guy Fox, which is kind of hilarious. <laughs> She's going to be wearing a mask by the end of this. Daisy is the founding member of Anonymous, little known fact. I loved it because who hasn't pulled a Daisy before? It's just like we've Oh, God, that now. was me at Christmas Eve dinner with my family, so... <laughs> But again, like, the her background relationship with Mr. Mason, one of those, like, little joys that this show has in it, that despite how the awkward way that her marriage to William happened, that these two who don't really have any other family are that bonded to each other, every time they have a scene together, it's, I really like it. I just really like it. I understand how angry she is. I mean, Mr. Mason's almost sort of like, yeah, that's how it goes. You know, because that's the world he understands. Right. And and Daisy with her crazy new ideas. Like, no, it's really not fair. I mean, it is. All of the generational clash stuff is a little heavy-handed in the Julian world. But you can understand both sides of it. You can understand the people who are mortified and the people who don't care that you're mortified because what needs to be said needs to be fucking said. The whole scene was so awkward. Just <laughs> it was this. really awkward. But I, I was really happy they went there because that's a real thing that people were dealing with. And I don't know. I, I really liked the whole scene, but I felt really awkward in it. So I kind of loved Daisy just blowing up because it was like, yeah, this is weird. <laughs> course she wasn't fired like is there has anyone actually been fired from Downton in the whole run of the series no, the only people that leave Downton are like people who got really fucked over by the Crawleys and then volunteered to leave because we're trying to sleep servants. with the Crawleys exactly oh <laughs> yeah that's still maybe like the like we should rank at some point at the end of this what are the worst storylines <gasps> And That's a great idea. I mean, 
Anna and Bates is up there, but I really think the tryst with Jane, Jane is the Jane. most ill-advised storyline of this entire series. I also would love to do a, like, where are they now? The people that have been dismissed from Downton. Right. I just rewatched the, you know, I just saw the whole Jane thing, too, and it's ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's just so... Yeah, and then she's like, after after really begging for this job because she's a war widow with a young son, she then volunteers to leave because it's not comfortable for Lord Grantham. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like that's how women are. That's how women are. Sure. Okay, so at the end of episode one, what are our predictions for this final season? What do we want to know, and where do we think things are going? Well, I want to know where Mister Yummy is. Could you please, could you please tell our listening audience who Mr. Yummy is? Oh, you know. <laughs> All I see, I just, it's like a never-ending vine in my head of just him leaping into a sports car and oh driving Oh my god. Away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, Matthew Good, who, you know, was the thorny little suitor that Mary met at the end of last season. And I'm right. hoping he's going to be back, but I was very disappointed he wasn't at the hunt. Right, Henry Talbot. Thorny's a good word. Yes. Ugh. He is hot. He is hot. Look, he's not as hot as Mr. Pamoke. No one will ever be as panty-dropping as Mr. Pamoke, but he comes pretty close. Pretty close. I think he's pretty close. Pretty, pretty close. Yeah, I don't know. Predictions. I'm worried about some tragedy for Carson Hughes. I really am, because I think Julian can't quite resist. (laughs) And now that I'm on board with the storyline and, you know, he'll be listening to this and he'll go back (laughs) in time and switch what happened in the UK version just to troll me. Um, It's all happened. You know, everything (laughs) has happened. I'm going to make a big prediction. I think the Dowager's going to live through the season, but I don't think Lord Grantham is. (laughs) Ooh. They were alluding to his health issues at the end of season five. Yes, it was an ulcer, but he's doing a lot of, like, perfect daddy stuff. You're right. That is a little suspect. Well, we know that Henry Talbot is coming back, and we know that Edith's friend is also coming back, right? Because we've seen them in the previews. Yes. All right. Well, that's good to know. I do think that after so much misery, we will see some happiness for happiness for Edith. I agree. Here, here, and for Anna and Bates, I, I need to you know repeat one of our predictions for Anna and Bates, which is they will have a baby, and the baby will be framed for murder. I still stand by that prediction, a hundred percent. I stand oh, by Jesus. it. They'll probably have like she'll be pregnant with twins, and one of them will murder the other one in utero. Like <laughs> yeah, it'll be one just... twin will eat the other twin. <laughs> What else? Do you think Cora will actually be able to get a word in edgewise this season? She was barely in this episode. Yeah. And when she was, it was another of those annoying things where, like, she walks in and is like, what's up, honey? And he's like, you don't need to know. (laughs) And then she's just, okay, have we got any phone calls? Like, the worst of Cora, right? Right. Are there any papers Uh, I can look at and shuffle and put down and pick up again? So I definitely hope there's something for her, um, and it's not just what you know, planning whatever daughter's wedding might come up, uh, because I do think she's maybe the number one most wasted character on this show. Um, she can be really interesting when you actually give her something to do, but yeah. unfortunately, that's very rare. She was great in the Civil Death episode when she yeah Civil Death episode. I thought she was very charming through the whole Tan Man debacle. Yeah, uh, I, I just. 
it, it makes me wonder what that character could have been with a little more care. Totally. I don't think we're going to get a boyfriend for Barrow. They seem to be really keeping him away from the new footman. Oh, yeah. I mean, everyone is staying away from Thomas. It's really interesting. Which is weird. Like, they think he's going to do something. But, I mean, if you actually look at the last few years in the actual chronology of for the characters... He's been like on his best behavior for a long time now. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even, his character doesn't even make sense anymore. He's not doing anything evil, and yet people are treating him that way. I, I, he's just I, he's just unlikable. <laughs> he's just very prickly and annoying. I think people are just like, oh, this guy. You know, maybe if he could like be a little more friendly with Baxter. Like, what if he like ends up like being the best man at Baxter and Molesy's wedding <laughs> or something? That's pushing it, Brandy. <laughs> we're going for gold. Uh, okay? Wow! Like we got eight more episodes to just fucking get her done. We're gonna okay, so we're gonna marry off uh, Carson and Hughes, literally everyone, Pat Moore and Sergeant Willis, <laughs> mm-hmm. Baxter and Mosley, Dickie and yep. Dickie Isabel. and Isabel, right? Uh, Violet and the Russian. Violet and the Russian. Mary and Mr. Yummy. Right. I mean, Mary and Edith have to be taken care of, don't you think? I think Edith's going to maybe end up single. Or not married. Unmarried. I don't need to actually see her get married. I just want to see her be open to the possibility of that kind of happiness. I feel like she's been closed off since Mr. Gregson or whatever. You know when you see a scene and, like, a cute boy is flirting with the girl and she's like, okay, anyway, because she just... Not because she doesn't like him, but just because she can't even compute. Right. Like, can't even accept that thing. I just want her to get over that. Yeah. I just want... I want to see, like, her riding off into the sunset of a million choices of what she could do with her life. Yeah. And know that she's worthy of them. Yes. Yeah. And not because she's a mother, and not because she inherited some shit... But because she's finally learned who she is. I also would like to see Thomas leave Downton because I don't think he's very happy there. And maybe he could have a second career doing something else. America. Yeah. Go fuck a cowboy. Yeah. Exactly what I wanted for Mary three seasons ago. This is what I want for him now. Go fuck a cowboy. (laughs) Sounds good. Sounds like some fanfic to me. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. You know, I got I got that adventure on the steamer ship already. I got more in my head. Don't don't even worry about that. <laughs> Not worrying. All right. Well, lots of excitement up ahead for this final season of Downton Abbey. Let us know what your predictions are for this season. We'll be here every week after every episode, dishing all the dirt and the details. Thank you for joining us for this season premiere episode you can find us at downtongabby.tumblr.com at downtongabby on twitter and at downtongabby on facebook you can also find us on itunes every single podcast just search downtongabby itunes and we'll be there thanks for joining us and we will see you next week